Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to Not Your Average Joe, the podcast that'll make anyone a little less average. I'm your host, Joe Franco, and I missed talking to y'all. So I'm back home. If you're watching the visual, if I ever post the visual, you'll see I'm back in my office. The sound quality hopefully has improved, and we're just chucking and driving. It's a rainy Friday evening, and I had been in London for four months, and now I'm back home. And I'll be home for a few months, handling some stuff, doing my thing. And today's episode, you're just going to be hanging out with me. So I hope wherever you are, you're having an above average week, because you, my friend, you deserve it. And uh, today, the topic is going to be all about time. This elusive concept of time that we just can't seem to get enough of. You're gonna want to take notes for this one. Kill the intro, sis. You know she's not your average show, not your average show. She's not your average show. Before we get into it, I would love to make a quick little announcement. I am starting this incredible 21-day self-awareness challenge. And I say incredible because you guys, whoever is participating, the challengers, will make it amazing. It's the end of the year. I wanted to reflect a little bit. So I created 21 days of journaling prompts so we can get to know ourselves and realign before the end of the year. Because it's the first challenge of its kind that's live and on sale, I'm only making it $1 a day. So for $1 a day, you get unlimited introspection, a global community, and daily guided videos with journal prompts. So like I play music and everything. If you're interested, click the show notes. Uh, I will link the information there and it's limited time only, right? So, So if you don't secure your spot by the 19th of November, you can't do it. You can't sit with us, but I would love for you to sit with us. So please sign up for the challenge and uh, get ready to get to know yourself on another level. And that's a perfect segue to the theme of time. Because as I get older, it's the cliche that they always said when we were younger. Oh, just wait till you get older. Time goes by really fast. And it's a simple math equation. If you have lived more years on this earth every day will amount for less time because it's like a fraction. So when we were 20, it was like one day over 20 is much greater than one day over 30. The slices become smaller and therefore the days just end up feeling shorter. Anyone else agree? Please let me know if you do. Slide up in my DMs. Is time going by faster as you get older or slower? And if so, why? So I'm reading this book called The Order of Time, and it's really trippy because it's all about the science behind time and how time is different for all of us. So one of the first chapters talks about how you can never share a now with someone else. No matter how hard you try, even if you're right next to the person, your experience of that moment and their experience of that moment will never be the same. Or if you're on the phone with somebody, you call your sister, your sister picks up, it is no longer the same time, even though you guys are having a real-time conversation. And another book that I promised I would review for you guys is called 4,000 Weeks. Shout out to my dear friend, Ollie Richards, who told me this was an excellent book. He didn't lie, it's an excellent book. If you haven't guessed it by now, the average person that lives to be 80 years old lives 
to be around 4,000 weeks old, which is really scary because every week goes by so fast. And with these podcast episodes, these conversations, I always use it as a personal research project. Like I'm working through this concept because I was in London really living a city life and it felt like time was going by slower. I was moving faster, but time was slowing down because I had more things on my schedule. Like I had outings. I was going to, you know, different events and I had friends here in Connecticut. It's pretty much the same. Like I wake up, I'm in my house, I go to my office, I work, I see family repeat. And when I think about those scary weeks where you wake up on a Monday, you blink and all of a sudden it's Monday again. I'm like, what the hell just happened? And this book breaks down the fact that if we're not aware of the 4,000 limited weeks that if we're lucky enough to live, we'll get, it could just go by like that. I asked my 80-year-old grandfather once, Grandpa, what do you think? Does life go by fast or slow? And his response was perfect. He was like, it goes by slow in some stages and super fast in others. I think I'm just in a stage where things are going by very fast. I don't really like it, which is why it's important to sit and take a little minute, take a sip of wine. For all the listeners, I am drinking a little bit of wine. I went on a two-week cleanse, no drinks, no nothing. And it was really nice. And I think I'm going to put that in my regime now, like two weeks on, two weeks off. But it's a two weeks on now, officially. Cheers. So let's get into the topics of this book because it's really damn good. The guy who wrote this book tells the audience that he was obsessed with productivity. And then he realized no matter what tricks and tips he uses, he'll never accomplish the things that he wants to. It's a trap. Productivity is literally a trap. It makes you feel like you're not doing enough. It's basically a lie that tells you that if you don't accomplish these things, you haven't truly lived, which is totally bogus because no matter what you're doing, you're living right now. So the first takeaway that I got from this book is like really being honest with ourselves how are you spending the time that you are alive? Because no matter what you check off your to-do list, you're already alive. So waiting around for that X, Y, and Z thing to happen to start living your life is a trap because that means that you'll just waste the time that you're actually living for the thing that's happening in the future. And again, I'm reminding myself of this because I do miss London. I do miss London. And I, I don't want to be living for this mysterious future when I am living in the now in Connecticut. So it's like, okay, Takeaway number one, take control of what you can control and take action in the now, which that's like a basic 101. Another really, really interesting thing that in the very beginning of the book, the author talks about, he talks about the fact that most people live for this future retirement or future possibility. For instance, if you want to do something, you do like all of these other things before you actually get to that thing. Why not just start doing the thing that you want to do? And that in order to do the things that we actually want to do, it means purposely ignoring some things on your to-do list that are not as important, but that our brains trick us into thinking they are important. So if you want to write and it's between checking three things off your to-do list that aren't critical but could make you feel more productive versus writing and knowing that the to-do list might start doubling and tripling, it's actively choosing to write, even though your productivity is going to go down with quotation marks, entre guillemets, I say, I like think about that in French, because 
the truth is if you're always trying to get rid of the items on your to-do list you will never actually get to the thing that you really want to do so the author says to approach your days in this fashion means instead of clearing the decks aka like trying to get everything off your to-do list declining to clear the decks focusing instead on what's truly of greatest consequence while tolerating the discomfort of knowing that as you do so the decks will be filling up further with emails and errands and other to-dos many of which you may never get around to at all so this guy who used to be a productivity junkie is telling the audience to actually screw productivity, like f screw it. If you want to live your 4,000 weeks with a little bit more purpose, it's being aware that to live your purpose, you will in turn have to sacrifice productivity. So there are some days that I wake up and I'm like, it's just not gonna happen. Nothing is gonna get done on my to-do list. But you know what will happen? I'm gonna write this outline for my book. I'm gonna finish editing this really complicated video. You just gotta accept it because if you feel guilty about not checking things off your to-do list, you're not gonna give the thing that you love so much the attention and care that it deserves. Usually in our society, it's like, check it off the list, get to inbox zero. And I disagree, I'm with the author. You cannot do everything, you literally can't, it's impossible. You only got 4,000 weeks. Something else I really rocked with. I'm an analog chick, I love a slow experience brewing my coffee in the morning. It is sacred to me. I, you know, take the grounds, I put it in my little espresso thing, I brew the espresso, I boil water on my stove, I make a little Americano. The difference between that and like a cured K-cup to me is black and white. It's like one is super convenient, but it makes me feel bad. And you know which one I'm talking about. The other one is a little bit slower, but I'm actually living that experience, that animalistic like me and the coffee experience. Okay, it's not that animalistic because it's still like a high-functioning espresso machine that I've had for like 15 years now, but still. The idea that we are sold convenience, things that you can get quickly, a fast meal, a quick buck, all of those things actually take away that lived rich experience of human goodness. A great sentence that he says, when you render the process more convenient, you drain it of its meaning. And that's how I feel about my morning coffee. Don't be giving me no K-cups. Sometimes I do K-cups, I honestly do. Sometimes I do Nespresso pods, I can't lie. And I like them, but I like more spending the time, even if it's less convenient. All right, this is where it gets pretty deep. And I'm sorry if you don't like talking about time because it's scary, but you know, it is what it is. We gotta talk about it so we can enjoy it while we have it. So there's a section called Getting Real. And uh, he quotes Swedish philosopher Martin Heglund, and he basically says this, if you really thought life would never end, then nothing could ever genuinely matter because you'd never be faced with having to decide whether or not to use a portion of your precious life on something. When you have finitude, when you have things that are limited, there is value associated with it. If there is no limit, if there is no end, then there is no value because you could do it now or you could do it in 5,000 years. But because we only have around 4,000 weeks, those weeks matter because each week you live is one week less that you will have. You know, it's like an hourglass. Like once it goes down, you cannot put it back up 
in the top of the hourglass. <laughs> and the idea that value is associated with finitude is, is really interesting because that applies not just to time, but to everything, right? Like that's how the economy works. If there are few items for sale, they become more expensive because of supply and demand. Another brilliant way to look at all of this mumbo jumbo is to think about how most people live life as though they're entitled to the time that they have. And me, having gone through a near-death experience, I, I'm like very hyper aware that that is not true. I see the fragility of it all because I woke up one morning, didn't think that my life could have been completely taken from me, and then it was, almost, and it wasn't. But if we all live with this sense of finitude and fragility, then we are able to look at even the most boring days with a little bit more gratitude. Damn, this is deep. I needed this conversation because I'm like not in the best of moods these days. And it is nice to just remember that we're not entitled to the time that we have. We're all on borrowed time. TikTok, we just borrowed some time. For the etymology lovers like myself, when you decide to do one thing over the other, the roots of the word decide means to cut. So when you're deciding something, you're actively cutting off something else, no matter what it is. If you decide to listen to my podcast, that means that you've cut the opportunity of listening to somebody else's because you only have one brain that focuses on one thing. Of course, you can multitask, but actively listening, you can only really give your active attention to one thing at a time. And it means that whatever you choose has value because you had to choose that over something else, which is connected to the thing that I said in the last episode with Nathaniel, that everything that we consume, it's minutes in our lives we'll never get back. So you better be getting some value out of it or laughing from it or feeling good after it because they just took time of yours that you won't get ever again. And that is a crazy concept. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Just took a quick little break. And... I am getting back into this book. I can't lie, it's been a minute since I've read it, but I just remember when I read it, it my jaw was on the floor. And if you're just tuning in, the book is called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant book. This is specifically targeting my creative souls. There's a chapter that's called The Art of Creative Neglect. Principle number one is to pay yourself first when it comes to time. Paying yourself in time first. If you work on your most important project for the first hour of each day and protect your time by scheduling meetings with yourself, and I do this too, I'll 
like I'll block time for myself. I'll, I'll schedule things that are just for me to get things done. And it's so no one can schedule meetings. It's so I can't deviate from what I need to do in that chunk of time. It's calendar blocking and it really works. And the other thing that he says is limit your work in progress. And that means just like don't have 25 projects, Joanna Franco. Because if you have all of these projects pending, then you're gonna feel like you're not getting anything done and you'll never have enough hours in the day to enjoy your life. And again, it goes back to the whole concept of when you focus on one thing, by default, you're not focusing on something else. But that is what gives the thing that you're focusing on value. This applies to tasks. This applies to relationships. This applies to pretty much everything. Because we don't have an unlimited amount of time on this earth, every single thing, person, place that you dedicate yourself to has value because you are choosing that thing. Even if it's indirectly. And this is also where it gets a little scary if you're in a job or doing something you don't like because then you feel like you get stuck in a trap, like you don't have your own agency. And that's true sometimes because we do have obligations and like we got bills to pay. But when you realize that we're only here for 4,000 weeks, you're like, okay, shit, I gotta get an exit strategy out of this bad situation. Fascinating concept that we dream in the future because the future doesn't yet exist. So in this distant future, we imagine ourselves doing so many more things than we're actually realistically able to do. Reality is much more of a downer. And that's what's dangerous if we're always living in the future. Because when you're living in the future, you're expecting things that will never happen. Here's a quote. The future, it's more appealing than the present because you get to indulge in all of your hopes for it, even if they contradict each other is no less true of fantasy romantic partners who can easily exhibit a range of characteristics simply that couldn't coexist in one person in the real world. Again, it goes down to, in order to manage our time realistically, we need to understand and accept sacrifice. We need to understand that you cannot have it all, contrary to rom-coms and movies. Like, it's physically impossible to have it all, so it's really just a matter of choosing what you really consider important. In consciously making a commitment, they're closing off their fantasies of infinite possibility in favor of what I described in the previous chapter as the joy of missing out. Jomo, I live for Jomo, the joy of missing out. You know those nights tonight, perfect example. It's a Friday night. I do miss London, I miss my friends, but I'm having a good time having a glass of wine by myself. I lit my fireplace and there is this joy that I have to know I chose to be here. I think anything that we do when we choose to do it tastes a little better because in choosing things, we're honoring our internal compass. If we're always saying yes and we're reactively accepting plans, we're not actually choosing for us, we're just saying yes. But if you take a minute and you're like, actually, I don't wanna go out to drinks, I wanna do something else, and you actively make that choice, you will likely feel JOMO, the joy of missing out. I don't really ever get FOMO. Like, y'all have a great time. I'm gonna be over here doing my thing. Okay, we're upping the spice levels here with this one. There's a chapter called The Watermelon Problem. And forget the watermelon. What it's really talking about here is that the attention we pay to things is our life. The argument begins by talking about how most people consider attention as a resource, like a finite resource. 
But the author argues that attention is not a resource because resources facilitate life. Attention, on the other hand, is life. Your experience of being alive consists of nothing other than the sum of everything to which you pay attention. At the end of your life, looking back, whatever compelled your attention from moment to moment is simply what your life will have been. So when you pay attention to something you don't especially value, it's not an exaggeration to say that you're paying with your life. Wow. We pay with our lives to so many things that likely do not deserve our limited life. So second by second, minute by minute, you are spending time investing your fractals of life, paying attention to whatever it is you're focusing on. Right now, we're hanging out, and I'm glad you're here because hopefully after this podcast episode, we're all going to take inventory of the finite life that we have and live it to the best of our possibilities but really it's crazy when you realize that you binged six hours of a netflix show like me the other day and i i know this because i read books like this and i'm also aware of this like damn i just paid with six hours of my life was it worth it probably because i was burnt out and i needed a break but really like i don't know if many people are aware of that and that's why this book is really really great when you pay attention to anything you are paying with your life. Oftentimes the things that are distracting us don't have our best interests at mind. So this is when you get on a bender of binging videos that are not actually adding any value to your life and you're, you're, paying, you're paying with your life to things that don't return for you. And that's silly. That's like the worst way to look at investments. It's all about investing too. It's like, what are you investing in? with that attention. On the subject of distractions, there's a really fascinating take here. Distractions aren't the ultimate cause of our being distracted. They're just the places that we go to seek relief from the discomfort of confronting limitation. What I take from that is we coming to terms with our limited ability to do everything that we want to do in this lifetime, it's too overwhelming to come face to face with that. So instead, we binge a million TikTok videos because that is easy. What's hard is realizing that we don't have forever. And this is where we lean into distractions. But distractions are just like candy in fast food. They are damaging over time. Sure, they taste good. They give you that hit of dopamine. But it's never good to have too many distractions because then you'll end up investing so much of your time in things that aren't investing back in you. Then there's the whole chapter about how we become obsessed with using time well because we are aware that it's limited. And that's bad too. Oh, here's a great word to add to our vocab list. The future-focused attitude. It often takes the form of what I heard once described as when I finally mind. As in, when I finally get my workload under control, when I finally get elected, when I finally get the right romantic partner. It's that syndrome where you're waiting to start living your life instead of just starting to live your life. Or it's when we treat the present just as a path to get to something else in a distant future that is not guaranteed. That's not good. We all do it. And again, take all of these takeaways with a grain of salt because reality is what it is. Like we're still playing in a game of society where we have things to do. We have to plant some seeds. So we do need to live in the future. But I, I do like these reminders of coming back to the now because if we are always focused on the future, what will our life be? Just accumulation of moments waiting for the thing that never happened or will happen. This is another powerful chapter talking about the last time and I have a personal story about this so the last time I saw my grandmother we were in her bedroom and she was sewing my shorts 
there was a little hole and she patched it up with a, with a tiny little owl patch. And I sat next to her as she stitched each stitch and she was quiet and I was quiet and it was just this like beautiful moment. And she looks at me and she's like, you know, everything I do now, I take a little bit more time because everything I do, it could be the last time I'm doing it. And therefore, I give it more love and I give it more care. So she stitched every single stitch with so much love. And I was like, well, grandma, I think we should all live like that because sure, you're older and you're worried about time slipping away, but accidents happen, things happen, right? We obviously don't have that wisdom because it's heavy to carry, but seeing my grandmother treat sewing my shorts as like a sacred thing because she said it could be the last time and it was the last time but she said it out loud I was like damn so if we did look at the things that we do as though it could be the last time imagine how much more value we'd assign everything I have a question and I would love to hear your responses when was the last time you truly felt alive absolutely alive you wish to be nowhere else other than where you were what was happening who was around you what was the environment and why did you feel like that do you think it's possible to live your life with more of those moments if so what do you need to do to do that are you like me and stress out because you need to hurry up and relax there's a word for it it's called stress laxing and it's a symptom of our society because we're living in a time where productivity is a currency and we all just want more of it. And the idea that you're stopping and relaxing means stopping your productivity. So we stress even when we have to relax. Why are we going crazy as a species? Or to put it another way, the checklist traveler. It's like that person that takes a gap year and they are pretending to be all woke and living in the moment, but really all they're worried about is checking as many countries off of their list or as many experiences off of their list or dating as many people and putting them on their list. It's like you're not actually living that experience to live it. You're just living and check things off a list and therefore the value isn't there. I wonder how many times I've said value in this episode. I should turn it into a drinking game. People are afraid of relaxing because people are afraid of wasting time. I know I am. Also, how many people use productivity as a way to run away from how they're really feeling? The Loneliness of the Digital Nomad, chapter 12. This one hit home for me. So this chapter is talking about how if you have all the free time in the world, you are not more happy than somebody with 10 days of vacation days, what you do feel is a profound sense of loneliness because free time has no value if you are alone in that free time. Sure, the first few months could feel amazing, but after a while you lose touch of a community and you're floating around like a kite without a string. I always talk about this. Here's a sentence. In fact, having large amounts of time but no opportunity to use it collaboratively isn't just useless but actively unpleasant. Here's the irony. Digital nomad uses the word nomad. But traditional nomads do not wander alone in the world. They wander around as a tribe. So the idea that you could be somebody alone traveling the world and you have freedom and this is an amazing way to live is actually fundamentally inaccurate. And I know because I've lived it. You are not more happy as a digital nomad. You become more lonely as a digital nomad because you have all the freedom in the world. But really, you're living such a solitary life that you cannot be happy. You can't feel fulfilled. You're going to scratch an itch to explore, meet new people, have experiences. 
but we got to keep it real with ourselves. We are tribal creatures. We need community. And so free time without sharing it with people you love and care for isn't great. It is just time. And it goes by and you feel bad because you haven't shared any of the best memories with people you care about. And I'm going to end it there because there's a lot in that book. Maybe I'll do a part two diving into the rest because I can't take it anymore. I guess. I said the word value way too many times and it's time for me to go to bed. I got to spend my time doing something else. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode and if you like the podcast, please rate it five stars and share it with a friend. Share it with somebody that would like all of these tips, tricks, and takeaways. And again, I hope to see you at the 21 Day Self-Awareness Challenge. I need that end of the year recap and uh, this is just the beginning. This is something that I keep saying now. This is just the beginning. Because no matter what time you are in your life, I really believe that it's just the beginning. We can always start something new now because it's just the beginning. Even if it's been the middle and the end, there's always a beginning in there. And I want to live a life filled with beginnings because that's a life filled with freshness and inspiration and all that good stuff. The middle and the end, I don't even want to get there. <laughs> just kidding. That's good too. Follow me on social media at Joe underscore Franco. And the show has an Instagram account as well at Not Your Average Joe Pod. I'm posting bonus clips. I will be back next week with another episode. And I can't wait to see you soon. Hey, yo, come listen to my girl, man. What you doing? Shit. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.